Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of football news to get to, a little bit of basketball news to touch on as well. Um, some transfers now changing a little bit. Um, Wisconsin still going after a running back in the transfer portal and a little bit of basketball news in the front half. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. We'll also maybe touch on the special teams, which is the last presser um, of spring practice that way. In the back half, we'll have Owen Reese on to talk about the NFL draft. Uh, Owen is, of course, a contributor over at B5Q, uh, kind of our NFL draft scouting expert, if you will, um, and he'll come on to talk about um, what it's going to look like at the top part of the draft, where the Green Bay Packers will go. We're all three Packer fans, so that's what you get to hear about if you're a fan of someone else. I apologize. There's only so much time in the show. And then we'll talk about, of course, the Wisconsin Badgers group. Of course, a lot of guys likely going that third day, not probably any top uh, one, two day guys, but at the same time, I think some NFL teams will be getting um, some pretty talented players um, in that third day. So it should be a fun and full episode for you guys uh, to get you into this uh, week a little bit later than normal. Matt, how are you today? Doing great, yeah. It's, it's nice to be back and to jump into some of this, get everything ready for the NFL draft. Hopefully this will get, be a nice little prep for for that in talking with Owen. I know he usually does such a great job with uh, looking at prospects and thinking through the NFL draft. Yeah, it's always fun. He's a great follow. Um, if you guys don't already, make sure to go give him a look. He's been doing mock drafts, getting um, people really excited for, for this time of year. I know the NFL draft is always an exciting time, but when you see where some former Badgers will end up or you see where your uh, NFL team might be going in terms of their selection, um, it's always fun and exciting, and we'll be and you know, underway um, Thursday night. So before we do that, let's talk about some news. Um, we, we didn't get to this in the last episode. Reggie Pearson, um, of course, a couple episodes ago we talked about him transferring to South Dakota. He has since announced a decommitment and a commitment to Texas Tech, um, which is, of course, a, a big jump back to the Division One level. I'll be honest, when, when he announced going to South Dakota, I thought, man, for an S- FCS school, they're getting uh, – quite a steal in terms of a player. I mean, I think we both kind of talked about how high we think of Reggie Pearson as, as a player, and unfortunately his situation in Wisconsin didn't work out. But now for Texas Tech, I think they're getting a, a really strong and, and talented defensive back. So really happy to see that Reggie was able to land at a you know a, a Power 5 program like that. But what did you make of that situation? Yeah, that, I, I like you. I was kind of I, I kind of shook my head when I saw that he was already committed to South Dakota. Seems like that Texas Tech offer went through and, and he jumped on it, which which is great for him. I think it's a, a natural spot for him. Texas Tech uh, does bring in a lot of transfers usually. They're, they do pretty well with guys who, who have a similar mold to him in their defense. So I think it's a really good fit. Uh, I'm hopeful that his health kind of maintains so he can see success on the field for them. Um, and in the Big 12. So I think overall it's a good move for him. But, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough blow for a team like South Dakota who had to have been just so excited <laughs> to get him on campus. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm sure they were um, just you know salivating at the chance to have a player of his caliber. Um, uh, when I saw that he had, it changed so quick, it, it wasn't really a surprise to get that offer um, from Texas Tech to be able to get back there. Like you said, hopefully his health um, is all right and good, and he can back, be back there. I know he's uh, he tweeted out that he's had a lot of nights thinking and, and praying for this opportunity, so hopefully he gets the best, um, and, and it all works out for him as part of the Red Raiders. Speaking of the the transfer portal, Wisconsin football is uh, uh, targeting a former Clemson running back, former four-star kid Chez Malusi, as I believe how you pronounce his last name, um, 427 yards with the Tigers in his two seasons there, six touchdowns. Really a, a talented player coming out of high school, probably a situation where the last few years kind of stuck behind uh, Travis Etienne, who's a pretty good running back in terms of NFL draft, of course, would be a guy that is a high draft selection. Wisconsin, we, we've talked about the running back room kind of being a concern a little bit right now. It would make a lot of sense for them. We know that they've been kicking the tires on this in the past, um, but it sounds like they are, are really heavily going after a player that seems to have some, pretty, some talent there, just hasn't really gotten a, a huge opportunity um, at his former school in Clemson. Yeah, I think I think this is a really good offer um, that they're pursuing. It, you can see that there is a lot of smoke when you look at the amount of following going on. I mean, Twitter musings aren't always uh, indicative of what to expect. I mean, we all we all remember earlier this uh, spring when when many of us thought that uh, Marquis Step was going to be a Badger, but I, I think a four-star kid out of high school, really talented out of Florida. Um, like you mentioned, stuck behind a really, really good running back. And and the fact that Wisconsin is all over him and really going after this, I mean, he just said that he was going to be uh, hitting the portal two days ago. So for, for there to be this much momentum is, is usually a good sign. You look at the depth chart, and nobody's healthy right now. They got Jack Dunn running running back reps in spring <laughs> practice, which is not great. Um, so I, I think this is a position that would make a ton of sense. I like that it would balance out some of the scholarship numbers because he would essentially flow right in where Nakia Watson was um, and give them somebody who, who's had carries in big-time moments. And so I, I think this is a really good um, guy that they should be going after, and so hopefully they are able to close the deal because you look at his offers out of high school, and it's Auburn, LSU, Miami, Michigan, North Carolina, North, uh, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, USC, like these are, this is a good offer list, um, not to mention the fact that he enrolled and played at Clemson. So he's part of a winning team. He's the type of guy that I think you would want and would, would definitely help out the roster because right now they just don't have healthy guys. And if you're worried about Jalen Berger being able to stay healthy come fall, you need somebody else that you can trust. And I don't think they want to run into it with um, with – a couple guys who have been injury prone so far in their careers and a bunch of freshmen coming in. Yeah, I think it's a, a move that makes a lot of sense for, for Wisconsin. You know, Just given what they've got in, in their running back room right now, it's just there, there's there's names and bodies there, but right now if everyone's banged up, that doesn't do you uh, much good that way. And, and I like that you brought up the offer list and, and then him getting kind of valuable time at Clemson because this isn't a situation where he went there and, and kind of, fell down the depth chart and, and never got an opportunity. He, he got carries. He, he scored for, for the Tigers um, when he was playing. And I think just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a football factory, a powerhouse like Clemson. You've got Travis Etienne in front of you. You've got other running, talented running backs coming in. 
just weren't enough carries to probably go around in that situation. But it's not like he was a player that, that never even sniffed the field um, for the Tigers or anything like that and is just looking for maybe a step below. You know, this kid is a, is a guy that has played and is talented, had some really big offers, and hopefully um, Wisconsin can close the deal. Because I think for all both sides and, and the scholarship you know, numbers that you kind of mentioned, it just – it makes a lot of sense, and, and hopefully the Badgers can continue to that pursuit and, and possibly land them because I think it would do Wisconsin, especially their depth, uh, a lot of good. Yeah, you, you look at it, there's so many carries that are able to go around because you lost so many guys from last year, and you, you look at what they normally had when they had Jonathan Taylor, that was a hell of a lot of carries. So it's, it's one of those aspects where he would be walking into a really good situation to possibly earn playing time whether he's RB1 or RB2, I think he would be seeing significant snaps. And so it's it's a matter of trying to, to add some depth there because Isaac Rendo, we, we love the kid. He, he's very talented. He's fast as hell. But right now he's had that hamstring issue pop up so many times. Um, Julius Davis, we, we've seen one carry in, in two years, and, and he was a really talented prospect coming out of high school. But once again, we haven't seen it yet, so and he can't, he's not healthy. So I, you wonder, it's one of those things where it'd be awfully nice to bring in a really talented guy, or at least talented on paper, what we've seen in high school. I doubt he's gotten a hell of a lot worse. So hopefully they can get him, because otherwise you might be seeing a little bit of the, the Brady Shipper experience come fall behind Jalen Berger. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting, interesting situation, but um, we'll, we'll make sure to keep an eye on it. And like, like you mentioned right at the start, it, Wisconsin seems to be all over that, so hopefully some development can happen. Like you mentioned, he had only put his name in the transfer portal a couple of days ago, and it seems like um, the Badgers were on it right away. So you can tell there's serious interest there, and, and hopefully um, Wisconsin comes out the winner in that draw, but we'll have to keep an eye on it and see. Moving on down the line here, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of, of basketball news as well before we get to that special teams presser. Uh, Alano Tucker, there's been reports that he will not be back with the Wisconsin basketball staff. Um, I know that, it's, again, it's kind of a little bit of smoke because, you know, no official announcement from UW, but, uh, you know, according to his, I believe, Twitter, it is no longer uh, part of his bio. So, again, nothing confirmed, but it sounds like that is probably the case. I know when he took that position, he was kind of just in an interim basis, of course, with the Howard Moore situation. It, at the start, it didn't seem like it was going to be a long-term thing, but certainly an interesting story nonetheless when you think about a former Badger, you know, Wisconsin basketball legend, now part of the staff and, and possibly not being back there. So what do you make of that situation? Yeah, I mean, he had that interim tag even when it became pretty apparent that Howard Moore wasn't going to be coming back or at least it appeared that way. Who knows? There's still always possibility of that. But um, you, you look at it, and he, he brought a little something to the, to the sidelines that I think this team could benefit from. He, he had a role in the university prior to it. So maybe because he's part of the committee um, looking for the new athletic director, maybe he shifts more in an admin role, getting back into um, some of the work he was doing prior to working on the basketball staff, because I don't know if the basketball – being a basketball coach is exactly what he wanted all along. But um, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be more to come out of this. It's going to be more transparent in the future. But as of right now, I think you, you just have to hope that it'd be nice to keep him around Madison and specifically in the athletic department. And, and hopefully they can bring in um, somebody on staff who can who can kind of help them out in some of the aspects, specifically if they could get, bring somebody in 
who um, like Close used to be, where where, they, where he was the shot doctor, somebody who who really has a good basics for for helping guys improve their shots, so we can see some of the progression as shooters over the course of their careers. Um, I, I, Tucker was here for for such a small sample size that it's hard to know what he would have brought in the years to come. But but really, I think if they can bring in somebody to replace him that that can help them out, not only on the recruiting front, but also um, in, in some of those aspects of development. I think it, it, it could be it could be a wash or a possible even gain um, down the road, especially if Tucker stays in the athletic department in a different role. Yeah, I think that's the big part of it is that if, you know, if he's maybe transitioning back into what he was doing before, um, you know, being a coach, like you mentioned, it, it didn't, maybe it didn't seem like um, for him that, that being a college basketball assistant coach is something that he wanted to um, you know, do long term. You know, he stepped in in that situation, um, and, and but did certainly provide a spark to Wisconsin basketball. So if he is, I think it would be um, a win-win situation if you can fill his, his spot with someone that um, you know brings something similar to the table, and also have um, I, you know it's probably best of both worlds to have, uh, of course, Alano Tucker in some sort of admin role helping out um, with the Wisconsin Athletics because he's definitely a guy that represents UW well um, and does a great job and in, in really kind of whatever he's been a part of. So um, I'm sure for the Wisconsin Athletics staff, he, he's a guy that they, they don't want to lose in any regard. So it's going to be an interesting situation um, to keep an eye on, but hopefully the Badgers in some capacity can keep Alondo Tucker, um, you know, a part of Madison and Wisconsin Athletics. Oh, one would have to hope. Sure. All right, moving on down the line, special teams presser. Um, the last one, I believe we broke down every other position. Um, I, I think this one, um, there were some interesting takeaways for sure. What did you make of, of that presser? Anything that really jumped out of you out to you before we get into anything uh, NFL draft related? I, I think the big thing was the place-kicking competition that's going on in that um, – Coach Herring said that that's going to continue on into the fall, that they haven't nailed that down, which I think is is a pretty large development. You've got Jack Van Dyke, who's a younger guy, who who's lengthy at 6'5". We saw him handle kickoffs last year, and he's pushing to, to possibly um, usurp uh, Colin Larsh at this point. So I think that's the, the big thing was that, hey, they're still looking for between one of those guys to go ahead and, and take a hold of the role. And we've seen inconsistency from from Colin Larch throughout his career in Madison as a place kicker. Um, you have to hope that somebody, whoever wins it, is it does a better job this upcoming year because place kicking is such an important role on the team. And and Larch doesn't necessarily have a huge arm or arm huge leg. So um, if Van Dyke could, could grab that job, which I would think would require him to. Um, Show that he is—he's definitely better than Larsh and the better player. I, I think that would be a, a pretty big swing for the team, and, and hopefully be indicative of the fact that um, that Van Dyke is talented and that he's going to help them out instead of just the the two of them just are trading and going back and forth, kicking, and neither one can kind of find a rhythm all year. Yeah, I think the important part to watch when you look at you know anytime there's a kicking competition, you want to hopefully have a guy that that goes out and wins the job and, and takes the reins on it and whether you're not kind of going back and forth because if you're going back and forth, it means you're you're really probably not super confident in either option. So whether it be Colin Larsh or Van Dyke, I think both of those guys have had the capabilities. They they just need to, you know, be more consistent with it, you know, especially on, on Colin Larsh's side. We've just 
we've had years now of it of of just inconsistencies and in a place kicking role like that, which is so vital to not only how you uh, you know approach in special teams, you know, just knowing where you've you've got um, you know maybe you've got a guaranteed three points, but also how you call your offense and, and what targets you're trying to get to. Um, it, it makes a huge deal if you feel that you're not super confident in your place kicking. That that kind of changes your whole approach in terms of you know when they're going to go for it, when you know when they're going to settle the kick it, when they feel like they can you know kind of rely on those things. So yeah, I think really in terms of takeaway special teams and what you're looking for, that place comp- place kicking competition is is really the number one you know big important bullet because that has has been such a problem for the last couple of years. And if if they're not finding a guy and it's consistently um it'll be probably a problem you know once again if they don't find a guy that is is hitting those reps like they need to yeah for sure it, it's it's such an invaluable position that hopefully they get better production out of this year um i'm not too worried about other spots right now in in the special teams but but that one is is definitely one to keep an eye on come come fall most definitely. All right, guys, that wraps up our intro part of it. So stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our NFL draft preview with Owen. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on our NFL draft expert guru, Owen Reese, um, one of our few reoccurring guests to the show. We usually don't have a ton of guys back on, but Owen's usually always willing to come on and, and talk about the NFL draft, kind of talk about uh, where the Packers might be going, um, where some of these former Badgers might end up. So, Owen, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, how has this kind of draft season been for you, kind of getting prepped? I know you've uh, had a lot of mock drafts out, um, at least for me as a Packer fan, getting excited about some of your picks. So excited to see where we go um, in this conversation. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me back again. Um, and, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been – it's always good. Draft season's always fun. Uh, I always kind of joke around, like, by this time of the year, there's so much – media crap going on and smoke screens and lies and teams are leaking stuff to try to get guys to fall and all this stuff. It's, it's, I'll be excited for the draft and I'll be excited for it to be over at the same time, but it's always, <laughs> it's always fun. Well, let's kind of start at the top, just in the overall NFL draft, because it seems like these first few picks, one, two, three, I think one is probably a done deal, but after that, these quarterbacks, <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Um, as a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, I'm sure um, they're they're hoping that that one's already signed, sealed, and delivered, so to speak. But after that, the the conversation around these quarterbacks and where these guys are going to end up. You talked about the smoke screen with the falling. Um, it seems like there's some of, of that going around with Justin Fields, who I know some people see as is the no, number two talent you know, off the bat, and there's conversations all over the place on on all these guys. So. Where do you think some of these quarterbacks going, and, and where does that top three and, and some of those other you know picks kind of round out in your opinion? Yeah, so uh, yeah, obviously Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we've known since he was a senior in high school, right? Like, was going to be took over for a senior at Clemson. Like, they basically forced him to re- transfer essentially um, after like week four um, to get to get Lawrence in the game and. From then we've known, right, that was kind of the trajectory for him. Um, it's been really interesting, right, because Justin Fields is also, like, he and Trevor Lawrence are both from Georgia, right? They both came out in the same high school class. They were both in the Elite 11 together. They were the number one and two quarterbacks in the country. I think they were, like, number – they're, like, the number one and three all-time highest-rated recruits in 24-7 history. Um, so, I mean, like, they've always been tied together. And it, it's so weird, and this whole process is so weird and dumb that, like, last year – you know, around this time, they're talking about, oh, well, 
you know, Justin Fields is a number two pick, doesn't need to take another snap in college, doesn't need to do anything, right? Like he's he's the de facto number one pick or number two pick. And then, uh, you know, turns out, well, he does end up playing and apparently that, you know, he's lost ground because of it. Um, so I do think that Zach Wilson, the BYU kid, is going to go to the Jets. I mean, unless they've been playing a real, real long game here, I think they've been pretty locked in on him for quite a while. Um, and then from there, you know, it, then that's where the, the fun kind of starts, right? Because San Francisco traded up to three, and they gave up all this capital. And then it seems like, well, they're locked in on Mac Jones, or at least that's what the media says. That's what's been leaked, right? And then, so, of course, everyone on Twitter has been absolutely insufferable because of that for the last three weeks. Um, and then, you know, but now there's talk, well, could it be Trey Lance? And maybe has it been Justin Fields the whole time? And Kyle Shanahan basically showed up yesterday and was like, well, I don't know, like we all might be dead on Sunday. And I'm like, well, at this point I kind of hope so. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's – I think – I mean, like, gun to my head, I think at the end of the day, I think they're going to go with Justin Fields, right? Like, that just feels like it should be the right thing to do. Um, but at this point, nothing will really surprise me because you can kind of talk yourself into any of that. So for the sake of this exercise, I'll go with Fields. Um, then I probably have Trey Lance going, I don't know, like eight to Carolina maybe or, or nine to Denver. Obviously, Denver just traded for Teddy Bridgewater today, right? We're recording this on a Wednesday. Um, you know, but I don't think that trading a, a sixth round pick for a quote unquote starting quarterback should dissuade you from looking at quarterback. Uh, and then I think that Mac Jones, I don't know if they'll call it a fall because I don't know if it was ever really a rise to begin with, but I think somewhere in that like New England at 15 or Washington at 19 or Chicago at 20 or one of those three could trade up, something along those lines. I think that I, I do think at the end of the day he does go in the first round. Um, but it's kind of tough to, to pigeonhole there. Um, and then I, I do think some team's going to do something dumb. I, I think someone else is going to try to get into the first and, like, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M or, like, Davis cool. Mills from Stanford. Someone's really going to try to, like, take a shot out of left field and hit something on one of these quarterbacks and get that fifth year of control with the first-round pick contract. So the quarterback thing, it's, it's always a fascinating thing. This year seems to have um, – you know, not stopped the cycle of, of getting maybe more and more ridiculous each year. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the dude, right? And then I think if, if Zach Wilson and, and Justin Fields turn out to be as good as they think they should be, or uh, Trey Lance, right? Like, I think this really could be a pretty good uh, quarterback class overall. Yeah, it feels like a lot of those guys have some some, some nice feelings, and, and I agree with you. The the fact that Justin Fields' got stock has dropped from him basically just going out and being a dude is just befuddling to me. But let's jump into the Packers here because we're all Packer fans. Most people in Wisconsin um, are Packer fans. So if you're not a Packer fan, I'm sorry, but we're going to focus there. Um, where do you see Green Bay going? And if and then on the flip side, if you were the GM, who are you taking? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've kind of got it narrowed down to three guys for them, I think. Uh, Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern, picked off Graham Mertz this year. Um, he's one of them. I mean, I mean, any Packer fan will tell you that defensive back is, is a need and probably has been since Charles Woodson's been there, right? Um, Jair Alexander's a stud, but Kevin King has obviously not been – he's been fine. He's been serviceable. I think he's probably unfairly judged on his lower moments, right? Like he has been a, a fairly opportunistic turnover guy in the past. He's been a decent tackler. 
most of the time. Um, you know, he's never quite ended up being the full concept of what he was supposed to be, right? But, like, he's been okay. Right? I mean, he's it's not like some abomination that he's a starting corner. Um, but they could stand to upgrade, right? And especially after the, the Tampa Bay game, obviously all the Packer fans have the recency bias or the recency issues of the, the last play of the game um, on, on defense for the Packers and all that stuff. So I think Greg Newsom would be a great fit in this Joe Barry defense. They're going to be a lot less press man, a lot more off ball, off man, off zone coverage. I think that Newsom is really good in that. He is a good athlete um, and, and would be uh, like an upgrade there. I think he, that allows King to bump down to be your third corner. I think it's probably a better situation. Um, the other two guys are line of scrimmage players. For me, I've really kind of zoned in on Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle from Alabama, as being a guy I think that Green Bay will really covet. He's 6'5", 6'6", 315, really athletic, started at guard and tackle for Alabama over the past three years, um, former number two overall recruit in the country, uh, part of that 2017 Alabama recruiting class. If you haven't taken a look at that ever on 24-7, um, Sir. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, Tua, Jerry Judy, Najee Harris – Henry Ruggs, Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, all first-round picks probably in that one recruiting class. Just absolutely stupid. So um, Leatherwood's a guy I think makes a lot of sense. He's, he fits, hits all the athletic thresholds. He's a big dude. He does have tackle experience, even if the Packers were to look at him as a guard. Um, so I think he's a guy that, that will really intrigue the Packers. And then Carlos Basham, the pass rusher out of Wake Forest. Uh, luckily, the Badgers were able to avoid um, in the uh, Dukes-Mayo Bowl against Wake Forest, which seems about three years ago at this point. Um, but he's a guy, he's 6'4", 275. Probably the best comparison I can give you for him is probably like Rashawn Gary, but at the right pick, right? Like I think everyone thought 12 was probably a bit high for Gary. 29, if, if they took Basham there, is probably a little more in the ballpark. Um, freak athlete, inside and outside versatility, I think will be um, intriguing for the Packers. I think that ultimately, though, if they were to take him, that's like a look to the future, right, because Preston Smith was somewhat surprisingly brought back. Um, I'm happy they did, but I, I would be shocked if he was in Green Bay past this upcoming season, right? And then Zadarius Smith, I believe his contract is up after 2022. So that's another thing where obviously we've we've enjoyed his time here, and I think he wants to stay, but I think he's also – so going to garner a pretty hefty paycheck, and depending on where Devontae Adams' contract lays and what Rodgers' contract situation is at the time, like there's always going to be some cap um, creative accounting stuff going on. So I think that in the worst-case scenario in two years, you're starting to, or starting outside linebackers are Rashawn Gary and Carlos Basham, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, so those are the kind of the three guys I'm kind of locked in on. Obviously, there's there's always the potential for me to be um, not even close, but I think those are the three guys that kind of fit what they're going to be looking for and could, based off of what we found from Brian Gutekunst, could be, um, you know, like I said, like fill needs now or, or kind of strengthening strengths so they don't become weaknesses uh, by neglecting them type of thing. So those are kind of my three shots in the dark for the first round at 29. Yeah, I think all those names would be something that, that most Packer fans would sign up for just based on the, the needs that you mentioned and kind of filling those and strengthening some of those spots. Getting into Wisconsin now, you probably don't have any guy in, in that first two days, um, but should have some guys going you know in that day three range, maybe a guy like Rashad Wild, who's Cole Van Lannon. 
Where do you see those two maybe ending up in terms of, I don't know if you know of a, a team, but, but also sort of just a fit and possible mold that they could uh, step into and, and have a successful career? Sure, yeah, I was going to say there's, there's probably two guys that are going to go from Wisconsin and, and the top, the first two days, unfortunately, neither of them are Badgers. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so, I think Rashad Wild Goose probably has the best shot to go first, um, you know, it, just from an athletic profile. I, I've kind of been playing around with this phrase. I think it makes sense. Like, to me, Rashad Wild Goose is an SEC corner that ended up in the Big Ten, and, like, he wants to get up on the line of scrimmage and, and play press and play man and – and really get up in your face, and that's really just not what Wisconsin does a lot. Um, you know, Wisconsin plays a lot of zone with Jim Leonard, and like you saw how he wanted to play, right? Like the way he attacks bubble screens and, and quick screens and, like, stuff at the line of scrimmage, he's just absolute terror that way. Um, you know, but like I said, in Wisconsin's defense, he really wasn't asked to do that a ton. I think a team, you know, the NFL is much more man-heavy than college is. I think that um, you know, some team like Miami, right, he's a Miami native, so that kind of works. A team like New England, um, teams from that ilk, right, that that tree, that really kind of major in man coverage. Um, I, you know, I would say Detroit, obviously Matt Patricia's gone from there, but but that, that lineage of guys I think would be a great fit for him. Probably, I don't know, fifth round probably or so would be about when you're ready to see him come off the board. And Cole Van Landen, another guy that, like, was a good player for Wisconsin, but was probably never fulfilled the hype of the, you know, like the first big Paul, Paul Chris recruit and was a four-star lineman from in-state. And you think like, oh, well, a four-star lineman going to Wisconsin, he'll probably be a first-round pick. Um, you know, he's been, he was a good college player, just never quite lived up to that. The other thing, he did test very well um, athletically. I never saw that athlete from Cole Van Landen on the football field. So I'm curious to see how NFL teams handle that. I think he might end up as a guard at the next level. Um, I think you should give him a chance to fail at tackle first or, or be a, a, an emergency swing tackle at, at the most. But um, I think he ends up a guard. I think that athleticism in his zone scheme is really going to make some team happy mid to late day three, right around five or six, probably somewhere around there. Um, I know obviously Duke Manyweather um, isn't in the business of trashing his own clients, but I know he's been very high on Cole Van Lannan. Um, very complimentary of him as well. So maybe NFL teams take some stock into that. Um, like I said, anytime you're a two-plus-year starter at Wisconsin and a good athlete on the O-line, like, you're going to get drafted. Um, it's just probably in that Dave Edwards range, maybe in that fifth round, fifth, sixth round area. Um, and then those are probably, unfortunately, probably the only two guys that are, like, likely to get drafted um, out of Wisconsin. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way it goes. And, and I like that you brought up Rashad Wild Goose because I think he is, he was a, such a good tackler. And, and what he can do in, in the open field in terms of tackling is, is definitely going to help some team in the NFL level. Um, but now getting into the offensive players who are left over that aren't, you know, CDL, basically Derek Groshek, John Dietzen, Mason Stocky. Um, what do you envision for those guys? I'm guessing they're probably undrafted guys, but but what do you think would be good fits for them um, as they go into this process? Yeah, and I think the other thing too, like I don't want to lengthen this out too much, but this is this is kind of a neutered group, right? Like there's no, um, well, not that he's going to really fulfill the class, right? But like there's no Jack Dunn, there's no Jake Ferguson, um, you know, Noah Burks went back, Caesar Williams, Fayon Hicks, a lot of guys, Colin Wilder 
all went back. And while only Ferguson's probably the only guy out there that would like be a draftable guy, um, you know, this class seems a bit small, and, and that's why, right? Like a lot of these guys taking advantage of this COVID extra year of eligibility. Um, but so to me, like Garrett Groshek's the most intriguing by far. I think some team like Baltimore, or even I'm curious to see if a team of the uh, like the the Kyle Shanahan ilk, right, with the Kyle Juszczyk type, if some team wants him to put on 15 pounds and try to be like a move fullback like that would be intriguing to me. Um, but I think that like his pass catching ability and pass pro is, is like the best way I can describe this for him. Like he's going to be so much harder to get rid of than he should be. Like he just does everything right. He's always in the right spot. He doesn't screw up. Um, so to me, like somewhere like Baltimore, or like I said, maybe even in that Shanahan offense, even with Green Bay, maybe right. That offense is going to be going to the Jets as well, right? So they could be um, a potential option there. Outside of that, Mason Stocky, right? Any team that uses a fullback, um, you know, unfortunately, two of the starting fullbacks in the league are from Wisconsin. So at a certain point, they're going to start cannibalizing each other here um, for roster spots, but. He's a guy in Tennessee, maybe. Um, you know, one of some of the few teams that still use fullbacks. Unfortunately, it is kind of a dying position. Um, you know, this is unfortunately not the football uh, that probably our forefathers wanted <laughs> um, <laughs> back in the day, but is what it is. And then outside of that, I would be shocked. Like, I really like John Dietzen. Like, I he's one of my favorite guys I've ever covered uh, during my time at B5Q, and he's just a really funny guy. I would be shocked at this point, like, if he ended up with anybody. I mean, just from the sheer leg injuries and he – John Dietzen was, like, probably along – like, a lesser talented profile of the Cole Van Landen thing. Like, probably never quite lived up to his, his recruiting hype. Um, I think he was a borderline, like, four-star guy too. And um, just between some athletic deficiencies – and pass pro deficiencies and injury issues. I just don't know like how much he really has to offer to an NFL team at this point. I mean, like for him, like I'm happy he came back and he got his fifth year, sixth year in the program, fifth year playing, and all that stuff. But I, I would be shocked at this point if if John gets a look, um, even in a rookie camp, just because, like I said, from the physical profile, um, injury wise, he's, he's at an uphill battle and. Um, you know, unfortunately, like I said, the NFL is becoming a passing league, right? So, like, if your best attribute isn't pass protection, your best attribute better be pretty damn good somewhere else. And, unfortunately, I just don't know if his run blocking or durability is going to be good enough to find a way to stick somewhere. Yeah, I think that all makes a lot of sense. And I like what you mentioned about Garrett Groshek, you know, going to be a guy that I is – it makes that's a perfect analogy of of a guy that's going to be hard to get rid of because he's just he's always had that chip on his shoulder. You've seen it at Wisconsin. He you know went on to bigger things than I think a lot of people expected him to. And I wouldn't be surprised if if he makes that same run and, and tries to make someone really think twice about uh, you know a cut or anything like that um, in terms of his play. Um, on the other side of the ball, of course, you've got Loudermilk and Eric Burrell, who I think are both interesting projects as well. Probably again guys that are undrafted free agents, but athletic ability and, and size, of course, for louder milk is, is certainly there. Where do you think those guys um, would, would maybe fit, or, or how do you think they project to an NFL roster? Yeah, so Isaiah Loudermilk's really weird um, because he's 
So he was like 6'7", 305, 295, somewhere around there, kind of bounced between there at Wisconsin. And he never – he was like an eight-man football kid from Kansas, so, right? So, like, there was a, a big-time learning curve there. We knew there was going to be a, a ton of development there. And he – I almost hesitate to say, like, he never quite – like, the the concept of, of what he should be or, the like, the sum of his parts – never quite ended up there. Like, he was a good defensive lineman. I'm certainly not trying to knock him, right? But, like, I think people see, like, 6'7", 295, and, like, a pretty decent athlete, and everyone's like, holy cow, like, this dude should be an NFL guy. And either either Wisconsin's scheme just never quite featured him, or he was still just kind of, like, in a constant state of learning the game, right? Like, in Wisconsin's defensive line is a fairly, like, with that odd front stuff, there's a lot more, like, block recognition stuff. There, so like, there's a lot to a lot to learn. Um, and then so he showed up at the pro day and he was like 275. So I don't know if he's trying trying to play on the edge more or, or just get lighter to be more athletic to run faster. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, any type of odd front team I think is gonna to. Unfortunately, I mean, there's not a ton of base played in the NFL anymore. But like any three four team, right? Like his it just his length on the edge is gonna be appealing. Um, and then at that point too. I still think some NFL coach is going to see, like, yeah, well, I can fix him, right? Like, we're going to get it together. Um, so, I, I, any, I, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have, like, a great prediction for that. But any any 3-4 team, I think, is going to look at him to be their, their five-tech, that front side end, um, just because he's so long and is a decent athlete at that size. Um, and then uh, Eric Burrell is, so he's, like, one of my favorite kids in this class. I, I kind of wish he was a better athlete um, to get a bit more um, – publicity in here but I mean two and a half year starter for Jim Leonard um, very opportunistic turnover wise and a, a great tackler very smart always took good angles like that's the one thing that always kind of stuck out to me is he'd be from so Wisconsin plays a ton of single high coverage but they they will either like rotate their safeties or they'll start but too high and then roll down one of them and he always did a great job filling the run that way too um, so he's a guy like I think he'll have to stay in a, a too high alignment or a defense that, that kind of majors in that just due to that athletic deficiency because I don't think he's a guy that you could have full-time down in the box at the NFL level, but I also he's, he certainly can't play uh, center field at that level. Um, so I think he's going to be a guy like the Indianapolis Colts or the Philadelphia Eagles I think could be a guy or a, a space for them for a guy like Burrell that he can be a third safety, a special team demon, um, and and kind of be that a depth guy. He might never start, right? Like Chris Maragos was that way for the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time. Um, was always around, was a solid guy, never offered a ton, like as far as like he's not going to start a bunch of games for you, but can stick around in the league for four or five, six years um, and, and be a, a nice part, crucial part for special teams and a nice member of a team like that. Um, I kind of harken back to Indianapolis. Chris Ballard is a, a Wisconsin alum, their general manager. So I know he made a big deal last year, like when he talked to Jonathan Taylor, like you're the first Badger I've gotten to draft. So I, I do think there, like there is some cognizance there, and I think that um, you know Burrell, Burrell could be a guy that, as an undrafted free agent, um, I never said that about Laudermilk either. I think he'll be an undrafted free agent too. But somewhere, like I said, Philadelphia's defensive coordinator came from Indianapolis. Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis is, is that similar? They always say. They're a big cover two, cover four, cover six team with two high safeties all the time. I think that's where Burrell will have to play athletically, but he could be a guy. Like, there's certainly value there. I think he'll, um, you know, teams will be interested in him as an undrafted free agent or that priority free agent. 
There you have it, folks. That's a really good insight from Owen on all things kind of Packers and Wisconsin um, athletics that way in terms of the NFL draft. Owen, before we go, I know you've got a new podcast that you're working on. You want to plug that um, for the listeners so they can check it out? Yeah, you can check me out. It's at the Voice or it's the Voice of Reason podcast at V O Reason R I E S E N, uh, like my last name. Podcast. Uh, I have an interview with Quinn Miners on there from last week, uh, and I'll be doing some stuff like on each night of the draft as far as who the Packers take, um, and if wherever the, the Badgers go, we'll talk about them as well. So just kind of a Wisconsin sports kind of a toying around with it. Nothing. Nothing super special, um, but kind of just doing some stuff there. Uh, got our Bucky's fifth quarter draft coverage uh, that's kind of all rolled out now. That's That's been awesome. And um, for Packer fans, right, I assume a lot of you guys are, are Packer fans, check out the Cheesehead TV draft guide as well. Um, fairly cheap. I think it's like 7 or $8. It's a completely Packer-centric um, draft guide, over 300 players ranked and, and, and reports written for us. So uh, I've gotten to do that the last couple of years. There's a lot of talented dudes that are right on there. Um, it's a good time. Phenomenal stuff, guys. If you're looking for um, Owen's podcast, I'll make sure to uh, put it in our show notes and the B5Q post as well to make sure and go check that out. Owen, thanks as always for joining us. Great insight into the NFL draft, man, and uh, enjoy this weekend. I know you said you'll be happy once it's over, but uh, it should be a fun couple days for the draft. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, unfortunately, I'm just a glutton for punishment and look forward to this all year long, so... (laughs) Um, no, it'll be fun. It's always a good time. It's always fun to see where these guys end up and, and what these teams add because it's an important thing. Like, every single team will feel better about their team at the end of the weekend, right? Like, fans always you – know, you can kind of crap on a draft or, oh, well, you know, they, they, they reached on this guy or whatever. No team feels that way. Every team feels really good about everyone they bring in. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fun, optimistic time of the year in the NFL and um, for football stuff. So, it's, it's good stuff to kind of lead into the summer – of uh, the Bucks playoffs and the Brewers making a run here. There you go. Love to hear it. All right, guys. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back with you next week to talk about um, you know some post draft coverage to some other Wisconsin news that I'm sure will pop up. So as always, on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.